0: you to stand, if you would, uh, for reading of the third chapter of Ruth. We'll be going through verse 14. One day, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, "'My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself.' and put on your best clothes then go down to the threshing floor but don't let him know you are there until he is finished eating and drinking when he lies down note the place where he is lying then go uncover his feet and lie down he will tell you what to do i will do whatever you say ruth answered so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman-redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. If you would bow with me. Father, how good it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. How great is your love that you've lavished on us that we can be called your children. Gather now in your presence to hear your words. Open our ears. Soften our hearts. Continue to make us holy. Sanctify us each day. In your name we pray. Amen. So today... Father's Day is June 18th, we're quite, uh, quite in the middle of the summer time here in West Texas, though summer doesn't officially start, I think, until later on this week. Uh, here in West Texas, we know summer started, whatever, about six weeks ago, I think. Um, next time it won't be over 100, I can't even find it on the weather app. So we're no, we know that we're deep into the, into the heart of summer for people my age, or maybe for people my parents' age, um, we're, te- we're typically the, the age group that deals with this that I'm about to talk about. We know that with summer, not only comes the warm weather and school being out, but it means wedding season. Uh, I've got probably somewhere around five or six wedding invitations hanging on my fridge right now, all on different weekends, you know, apologizing for different reasons to each of them that I can't get there. But it's just that time of year. Summer before uh, Anna and I got married, she was, I think, in five weddings in nine or ten weeks. Crazy time of year uh, for wedding season. It just, it's that time of year. So with that in mind, I want you to think, uh, this might not apply to all of you, but I think most of you it will. I want you to go back and think about your first date. When you think about your first date, it could have been... It could have been 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago maybe, or it could have been last week. But I want you to think, uh, who are you with? How old were you? Where did you go? What time did you have to be home? What time did you actually get home? Some of you may have forgotten uh, some of those details. I know for my first date, I was Uh, The one flooring it to try to get home by the time I knew I had to to get her home my first date with Anna She kind of couldn't wait to get home (laughs) There are a lot of different reasons we have an interesting story. I'll explain it some other time Some of you may have forgotten those details or that boy or that girl maybe on purpose Maybe there are some bad memories there, so, so maybe just pick your first good date. Think about all that was going through your mind at that time. Ladies, think about how many, how many outfits you tried on, how many, how many shoe outfit combinations, how many times you did your hair different, how many different fragrances you tried. Guys, remember the time you brushed your teeth? Um... The butterflies in your stomach, the uncertainty, the tension, it was probably overwhelming. Most of you have been there. I'm going to take it a step further. Now, married people, go back and think about the time you were getting ready to get married. Or maybe think about the time for y'all who did the asking uh, when you prepared to ask uh, your spouse to marry you. Uh, we were talking, I was with some couples yesterday, actually, when we were telling our engagement stories. And I heard some of y'all held on to the ring for as many as like two or three months. For me, that thing was a hot potato. I don't think I even had it a week. I just couldn't, couldn't hold on to it that long. But regardless, in all these situations, for that relationship to move forward, someone has to take a step. Someone has to venture into unfamiliar territory Someone has to go somewhere they've never been before. And for Ruth, this place is the threshing floor. It says a brief refresher. Here's where we, where we are after, after, well now after today, it will be after three weeks of studying the book of Ruth. In the first chapter, we saw Ruth's dedication to her mother-in-law, to her family. Where we established that the story, though, is sometimes romanticized, it is not primarily a romance. We emphasized that this is a story about family and commitment to family. Last week, uh, Reed took us through some of the background and the history of, of Ruth's people and how they got along and maybe didn't get along with, with Boaz's people and we saw how Boaz takes that step to embrace the foreigner as he would family and how Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and all these characters in the story are exhibiting chesed or faithfulness uh, mercy love so now here we are in Ruth chapter 3 And through context that I'll explain a little bit as we get through the text, we're going to read through it again bit by bit. I'm going to explain a little bit of some of these situations that seem a little odd to us. But basically, Ruth has the combined stresses of a first date, a proposal, and a marriage all lumped into one event, all lumped into one interaction with Boaz. She has all this stress all at once. And not only does she have all those stresses that would normally go with it that we could understand, she also has uh, her own survival, her own self-preservation going into this. As we said before, in the world she's living, Ruth can't get a roof over her head or a sustainable source of food or resources or security without a man. So we're going to pick up again Ruth chapter 3 verse 1. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, that I may be well with you. Our kinsman Boaz, with whose women you have been working, see, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down and he will tell you what to do. It's at this point in the story, it's at this point where, as we've been saying all along, that Ruth is acting so selflessly. Ruth is acting entirely out of her love and commitment to her mother-in-law. At this point, technically, we could say that she's no longer acting totally selflessly because her own security, her own self-preservation is dependent upon a kinsman redeemer. Again, for social reasons that I'll explain in just a little bit. Even so, even with the weight of her own security on her, she is still committed to going through every one of Naomi's wishes. She says, all that you tell me I will do. I'm not going to get into specifics. A lot of times when this text comes up, uh, preachers will dive into one or two different topics that seem a bit, uh, controversial. And one of them is this idea of Ruth uncovering Boaz's feet. Um, again, I'm not going to go into specifics. You can do your own research, but from credible sources, there is a possibility that this is not maybe the most proper gesture. Um, Again, I'll let you do your own research. But this is, this is more than just, let's get Boaz's feet cold so that he recognizes me or no- takes notice of me. Uh, this is an intimate gesture, a step of, of boldness for Ruth. Something that would be totally improper uh, for a woman to do at this time. Especially with um, being an unmarried woman to an unmarried man. So verses 6 through 13 take us through that story. We already read it um, about how Boaz, he eats and drinks his fill and falls asleep at the edge of the grain pile. I'm guessing this isn't where he usually falls asleep. So, so Ruth comes, she uncovers his feet, she lies down, he's startled, uh, she makes her request known, she asks him to cover her with the edge of his cloak. Uh, in this time, this is a gesture of protection, a gesture of, uh, effectively, um, a promise to wed, a promise to marry. And I gotta be honest, I struggled a lot, and I currently am struggling, with how exactly to present this uh, with so many people of so many different ages. Um, some of this you kind of gotta leave to parents, I guess. But it's a racy kind of story. It's a scandalous type of story. You have a single woman approaching a most likely drunk older man, passed out in the field, removes enough of his covering to make him feel startled and vulnerable, and then asks him to marry her. And then he says, maybe. It's kind of an odd. What do you do with it? Let's just get that out in the open. This is a really weird story. I'd probably put this in my top five chapters of weird scandalous odd not quite g or pg rated kind of stories and if we read this story for content alone we're going to get hung up on these nuances of the story we're going to get hung up on the details we're going to ask questions like well was it boaz's foot or was it not Or we're going to ask questions about what exactly does this cloak gesture mean? And we could sit around for hours and talk about that. What's the significance of next of kin? It it matters in some circles. These things do matter. And I promise I know them and I'll tell them to you. You don't have to think that I'm just skimming by here. I'm serious when I say that I don't think that's the most important part of the story. They have ancient customs that that matter to understand some of why this is going on. Uh, It would be customary for a widow to marry the next closest relative uh, to her late husband uh, in the case of his death. So now you know. So what? What does it matter? I think this story can guide us into a different type of a different way of reading the Bible, especially narratives such as this. The questions that I've kind of addressed already give us an idea of the content of the book. Why is all this happening the way it's happening? But I want us to focus on the characters. I want us to focus on who in this story can I identify with? Who is showing qualities that I should possess and that I should display. And see, we don't get the real hook of this story until verse 14 of chapter 3. This entire scandalous uh, encounter goes on. She lays with Boaz all night. And here in verse 14, So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before one person could recognize another. For he said, It must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. We could do word studies on Hebrew euphemisms and research ancient marital customs all we want. But even with that knowledge, we'll never really be able to put ourselves in this character's shoes and understand her plight until verse 14. It must not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Because of factors outside her control, Ruth is forbidden from the threshing floor. She is a foreigner, she is a woman, an outsider. In every sense of the word. But the place she must go and the things she must do for her own security to keep her covenant with her mother in law are dangerous, scandalous, and in all ways improper. Ruth, as an outsider, is forced to go to a place where grace is required. She's forced to do scandalous things and hope for empathy and understanding. And none of it is guaranteed. We often come to these stories uh, with, a, with a preconceived sense of, sense of closure. We already know the end to the story, so we don't necessarily feel all the tensions the characters would have felt when they went through these things. But Ruth doesn't have that assurance. What she does have is faith. And in this story, Ruth's faithfulness plays out In bold gestures laced with humility. If there's one thing we can gather from this story, it is how to act boldly with humility. Not one or the other, but both somehow coexisting at the same time. Approaching the threshing floor for Ruth is bold. Ensuring she is not seen is humble. Uncovering Boaz to make him vulnerable is bold. Responding to his questioning with, I am your servant, is humble. Lying down with Boaz through the night is quite bold. But ensuring no one knew a woman was at the threshing floor is humble. And bringing these two virtues together, boldness and humility, existing in perfect harmony, each feeding off the other, is a concoction that we as the church are frankly not very good at. We often think in terms of boldness or humility. We're quick sometimes to draw the sword against well intentioned insiders and outsiders alike without first realizing our own condition in God's eyes. Other times we allow ourselves or others to be trampled by the loudest voices or by the church bullies, yes, exist. And in doing so, we lose sight of our Heavenly Father's vision of justice. So looking at this story from character's perspective, perhaps you identify most with Ruth. Perhaps the leading voices of today, which across the spectrum are becoming synonymous with the loudest voices, have cast you aside based on a quality or demographic outside your control perhaps you're being called to act boldly for justice for the things do you but to do so with humility or maybe you identify with Boaz where you don't face the injustices that others do on a day-to-day basis you are the one with some level of power some level of influence you are the insider and you have the opportunity and not only opportunity but responsibility To speak up for the outsider. To have grace when startled by the boldness of Ruth. To empathize with her cause and to seek justice on her behalf. Even still, perhaps, you may identify with Naomi. Perhaps you have entered the sagely era of your life, we'll call it. Having experienced so much and gained so much wisdom that you can teach the rest of us who are younger to act with boldness and humility, whether for our own good or for the good of others. Each one of these roles is so vital to the health and well-being of not only the body of Christ but for the world. Wherever you find yourself in this story, my prayer is that this morning you are released and blessed to act within that calling. I'm going to ask you as we kind of draw to a, to an end. If you'd stand. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a prayer over us, um, and Brian will lead us in our final song. Father, this morning we pray for your boldness, and this morning we pray for humility. We pray that you may guide us in the things that are just and the things that are holy in the causes we ought to hold up. We ask for the humility to empathize with others, to empathize with insiders and outsiders alike, to have grace with all those we come into contact with. and pray all these things through your Son. Amen.